0: Hey guys, Mike here. I want to tell you a little bit about Junk Clear LLC. Junk Clear LLC was started by my wife and I, and we are now doing junk removal, estate cleanouts, rental cleanouts, foreclosure cleanouts, things of that nature. Um, we're doing storage unit cleanouts, we're doing demo work, interior. Uh, we can do restoration work, fixing the interior. We can do exterior, we can drop sheds, we can drop houses, we can drop barns. We're doing all of that work right now. Also doing some excavating work on the side. Um, check us out, Junk Clear LLC on Instagram and Facebook, uh, JunkClearPA.com. Serving the Gettysburg area and Frederick County and Carroll County, Maryland. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys, everybody who knows... Knows that I have been running a swamp stick extendable pole all year this year, um, from running my spinning wing decoys at five feet tall to uh, hanging my gear, my gun, my blind bag, um, the accessories I use like my cell phone grip for manipulating the uh, the cell phone and getting some film, um, using it as a walking pole. I mean, using it to hang blind mesh on banks. Um, I've used this thing a bunch this year. I've had a blast trying to uh, figure everything out. And man, I would not go back now. I love it. I've even used it deer hunting with my bow. I've hung my bow from it in standing cornfields and sat on a bucket and hunted that way too. So look guys, if you would like one of these or if you want to figure them out, if you want to see if it's something you'd like, check out my YouTube page, look up Swampstick. I got uh, a review on there and, um, I really love it guys. Use code M A M P 10 at checkout, get 10% off. These things are cheap compared to the competitors. Uh, Great product, man. Really great product, and I love it. I thank Sean for reaching out and uh, and getting me one of those because it has been a game changer for me this year. Uh, guys, again, MAMP10 at checkout. Get you 10% off. Thanks. All right, uh, here with Red Trail Outdoors, why don't you guys introduce yourself, tell everybody where you're from, what you do. All right, I'm Shane Horsewood, uh, and we're from Bellotten, Maryland,
1: and I kind of fell the role of the CEO of
0: Red Trail.
2: And I'm Corey Tolson, and I'm just here.
0: <laughs> you just fill bags for them, right?
2: Yeah, they just put me to work.
0: I kind of do some things here and there. I drink a lot. Yeah about right um so over time like what led what was the starting point and what led to you guys so doing red trail outdoors and the whole thing so back in
1: 2012 um a group of us as it usually starts is just a bunch of friends and we saw these hunting tv shows and stuff like that on the outdoor channel and sportsman's channel and pursuit channel stuff like that then on youtube there was a couple small ones stuff like that that was before the whole big youtube channel stuff became started getting really big right, yeah. well we kind sort of looked at it and like man we could make a much better show than not all of them but you know at least a handful right. of them so that kind of started us on this whole red trail thing sat down came up with the name you know we kind of wanted to keep it somewhat catchy yeah somewhat kind of makes sense right so red trail blood trails well, we quickly realized how much money it costs to make a TV show. Yeah. And that was the largest eye-opener to us. Because post-production, that's where the money is. It's not making the TV show. There's TV shows right now that they don't put money in their pockets. Some of them have normal jobs, and they still have to put their own money in there yeah. to have the TV show. Yeah. So, uh, for instance, we were quoted for ten thousand dollars for post-production that was basically like one it was like one or two episodes um and and a couple other things media kits stuff like that to grab sponsors so you spend ten thousand dollars you get that you hopefully get sponsors here's the other tricky part is the sponsors don't want anything to do with you until you've been around for about two three years Mm -hmm. anything under that they're like you might flake or or whatever. And yeah, it's like kind of like a like like a one and done thing, you know. So mm-hmm. you 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 have to try and work your way through this. Then you're like, okay, well, how can I come up with ten thousand dollars, for instance? Just one time,
2: yeah. not the three times it's going to take to get somebody to look at you, that,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, and then also pay for life and and you know, right, families right. and everything yeah. exactly.
1: Yeah. So and it's like, okay, how the hell do you make these ends meet? Best thing you can do is either find a sugar daddy, a sugar mama, whatever you want to call it. And hopefully they'll do it. Or you come from money. Well, guess what? I don't come from money. I don't know really a lot of people that come from money. And if they do, they sure as hell don't show it. And, uh, so it's like, how do we do it? We started making, what was the first thing we started making? The mineral. Yeah. The, we, we started off making mineral, uh, flatline. That was a, and home, kind of like concoction that we started making. Right.
2: Uh, Carrying five-gallon buckets through fields yeah. for miles.
1: No, it was the it was waterfowl calls we started doing first. And then we were still doing the mineral and stuff. And then the waterfowl calls, it came to a whole tax thing that when you sell to a different state, now you have to apply their taxes. You can't apply Maryland taxes. And it got right. all like finicky and weird and everything else. Now Pernigan, you gonna an
0: SDAT for to like go across state lines and sell there and give them their cut.
1: Yeah, it was it was all kinds of like weird ass tax shit. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to even deal with this because so I brought it up to Nick Chanchak, our vice president. I was like, what do you want to do? Because you're leading the the actual waterfowl calling stuff. I mean, we were running waterfowl calling competitions at shows. We had Tangle Free sponsoring them. Delta. Um, Kent Ammunition and a couple other ones that would like literally sponsor these calling competitions. And it was
0: great. Right? Yeah. Like down in Easton, they got the big one down there. Yeah. So like Teddy Hoover and stuff, like he would come there with
1: a group of buddies and they would call it our competitions and they would, he would help us like give us guidelines on how to set it up, the rules and this, that and everything else. Right. So we started doing that. But then Nick turns to me and he goes, dude, you've been using this mineral for like years. And Corey killed a deer that we had called Tower, and I mean, what was it, like four farms? I don't know. It's it and Bell Island is like a small area, right? And the that deer alone was known to all these farms, right? Yeah, everybody had pictures of them. Well, I wouldn't say everybody, but everybody knew them. and we all kind of like watched his movement people passed him when he was younger everything else well i hunted him for a week and he would be at one stand and then i would be at the other i pull the card i swap and it's a cat and mouse game finally i said all right i'm gonna hunt this stand twice in a row i hunt that stand twice in a row and he apparently knew it so he goes to the other stand i leave I'm in a meeting in the Marine Corps down in South Carolina. I come out. I have like 17 missed calls, like 16 text messages, and they're all from Corey. And the first picture I see is this deer on his back with his tongue sticking out. And I said, there is no goddamn way. And my boot on his neck. (laughs) You (laughs) killed this deer that is a borderline Boone and Crockett deer. And mind you, this was his first deer. So the first year you ever shot, yeah, he hilarious, yeah. And granted, Corey has helped a lot. I'm jealous. I'm salty about it still. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, he gets uh, to see it as soon as you walk into the house, open the door, it's right in your face. I mean, it is it is a massive, massive animal. So Corey shoots this deer, and I'm like, how, how did you do this? Well. Fast forwarding back to on topic was Nick was like, you've killed deer on top of this. You have tower. You have this. We've used it. I've never used mineral. I put it out. All of a sudden I got this hole that I don't have to drive around because the deer continuously hit it year after year after year. Well, that's when we came up with the name flight line. We started our flat line and we started packaging it. Then we we're coming out with the, we stopped doing the flat line. Because it was more like a packaging thing. We're thinking, all right, put them in buckets. Well, now the whole shipping thing happens. Our containers are so big. And UPS and FedEx and all of them, like, dude, it's expensive to ship stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's that's the bad part. That's all the other different topic. So we backed off of that because of the packaging and stuff. like. That. We're like, yo, we have to come up with a different packaging situation, make it more affordable for people to come there and purchase items, have a ship, right, and yeah. stuff like that. So at the same time, we're kind of going to the shelves, Walmart, Tractor Supply, Southern States, you know, the mom and pop stores, seeing these attractants and stuff like that on shelves. We're kind of buying them, we're putting them out and we're like, man, none of this stuff's really working. Like it's I'm not saying it's none of it works, but I'm saying a lot of times you're gonna come across these products that they advertise really well
0: and it doesn't perform. I swear half of the outdoor industry, and this is waterfowl, turkey, it doesn't matter. Half of it is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And and they just advertise it. it's like back in the day there was like the acorn cruncher. It's like <laughs> the one that sticks out to me. Is there oh that little When cult. dad would watch yeah, dad yeah. would watch like Buckmasters and he'd be like yep. 30 second commercial. The deer come right to the acorn crunch. And I'm like, how did the deer a hundred yards from me hear the acorn crunch? Like yep. Even back then as a kid, I'm like, this is stupid. And dad would laugh about it. Well, apparently enough people bought them over the years because they sold it for a couple of years. It's like, uh-huh. if right. you can advertise, there's enough stupid people out there. If you can advertise right. a bullshit product, yep. you'll sell it. I have this saying, you can have a bullshit product
1: and market it well, and you'll make a million dollars. You can have a phenomenal product and not market it well, and, it'll, and you'll fail
0: yeah for sure and
1: it's it's a whole marketing scheming just bullshit you had, you have you to figure out where to invest your money. Do you want an okay product and be able to invest in the marketing or do you want a phenomenal product and slowly scale or yeah,
0: do you want to, right or do you mm-hmm. want to be
1: the sensation for a couple of years and hopefully you can take that sensation money that you make or whatever else however you want to put it and invest into a better product Now you have companies that scale up. Like scent crusher, so scent crusher they just sold to Rubline Marketing. Well, I think it was Rubline Marketing, but anyway, anyway, there's like these investment companies inside of the outdoor industry, and they literally buy all these companies, Muzzy and Rage, same company. The difference, all the marketing goes to Rage,
0: right? Yeah. So they're like, oh, well. It's cause it's attractive for people to see the big blood trail and uh-huh. the, the the big cut down the side of the deer. And that's the, that's what catches eye, especially the ages of like 15 to 25. It's like, uh-huh. if you can catch those people at 30 years old, I would never buy a bullshit product. But at 20 years old, I'm like, did you see the new teal call that came out with like, you don't need to call teal, but I, ha- I had it because it was cool. Like, exactly.
1: So, uh, so then we, like I said, we, we stopped the flat line for the packaging situation and then the attractant stuff. And then we came out with MRE, you know, MRE, it's, it's kind of like the best of both worlds. You have an attractant, but it's also, you have a very high attractant level, but you also have your vitamins, your minerals right, and yeah. everything else that's appealing to whitetail. You know, and we don't like get to hunt mule deer in Maryland. We don't, where I'm at, we don't have seeker deer. So I haven't been able to try it. When I hunt seeker deer, I'm in, you know, state land, federal land, black water, stuff like that. Right, so yeah. you better not, if you bait, don't get caught. We came across a, a corn pile there a couple of years ago.
0: Oh, yeah. Everybody like, down there trying to uh-huh. get away with it.
1: So but that's why we came out with MRE and that stuff. It's, it sells good. It sells really well during the season. And, you know, these people, they buy it. We had a guy in North Carolina. He's like, does it work? I was like, well, yeah, I wouldn't be selling it and putting my name on it if it didn't work. Yeah. Right? No, no, don't buy it. It sucks. Uh, no, it actually, it doesn't
0: work, but we've just been hoping you'd buy it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> right. like, it's like, he's like, no, nah, man, it's just, this bag is filled with air. It's nothing but whole corn.
0: It's Lay's chips. <laughs> Which might work better than some of the attractions out <laughs> it, there, it to would. Be it right.
1: would. Especially the
0: blocks. Oh, I, so I've never had a blocks. I've never had a blocks. The the them. one thing I've always had, um, I've had good luck with, with trail cams over them is when bucks are growing antler, you can throw out like an, a, a uh, rack rock or whatever they're called nowadays. Mm-hmm. I know they've sold, but the, uh, those trophy rocks back, yep. that's what they used to be called. I guess they still are. And you could buy those and throw them out and those would work. But if you. Dumped an entire pile of sugar beet crushed beside it and an entire bucket of lucky buck over here. They would, you, the bucks would walk in between it and like lick the salt. Mm. It's just a rock with salt. Yeah. And they uh, would lick that. And I'm like, why did I spend all the money on that? You know, uh-huh. it smells like sugar beet. Like, it smelled like I would eat it, but the deer are like, no, nah, there's no protein in there. I don't want it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that yeah. being the differences. Is- mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, to, to your point, I mean, Trophy Rock is nothing but a. Rock looking salt block. That's all. yes yeah. and a lot of people look at these things. They're like, "Oh man, that looks cool. That looks great. Yeah, it has a picture of a nice looking deer." But they fail to look at the ingredients. You're spending your money on salt. Right. Yeah. I mean, and literally a lot of the salt that's in these components is basically your iodized salt or your like your top flow salt. You can go to like southern states by. And I mean, the same stuff that's used, I know tax designers, say use top flow salt to salt their hides. So, I mean, you're going, you can spend $3 or $5, however much these bags are now with inflation, you know, thanks to this wonderful economy now, Yeah. but, or you can go and spend $12 on this fancy looking rock.
0: Exactly. I'm with you. That's, that's another reason that I told you online, I wanted to reach out to somebody local because one, if I could, if I could emphasize a product and then utilize a product, I'd like it to be local anyway. Mm. And normally if you look local, you do find a better product because most guys would go out to Walmart. Like I used to do and buy sugar beet crush and buy a bag of corn from Walmart and they go out and then they put their, yeah, deer come to it. Obviously there's some corn there and they, they come out there and they will eat it. If it's the only thing there, if it smells Mm. nice, but if a, Especially a a whitetail, a buck, that will come to an attractant that has more actual supplement to it than just something that smells nice, because they they want to grow their antlers and they want to be sustained. And Mm -hmm. so that's something that people don't think about. Is yeah, you can buy corns that smells like apples that they put apple fake apple juice in or whatever they do. They spray it, but Mm. you can buy it like at Walmart. You can eighteen dollars, you can get a bag of corn smells like apples, or you can just put out corn. And it does the same thing. (laughs) And they fail. You'll be fine. Yeah.
1: And they also forget, like, there's not a lot of flavoring, like your apple corn at Walmart, 40 pound bag. You're spending as much or more for that one bag than you do for a 50 pound bag of whole corn. But a lot of people buy it because it's apple flavor, right? Right. Yeah. Once that first rain comes, guess how much flavoring is left? (laughs) Not a damn thing. Not a single thing. I can tell you right now, I've shot at least one that comes to memory right now over top of emory after it rained and i've got numerous footage of deer after it rained coming to emory so now i'm not saying it smells like like a rose garden or anything right because after it rains you got moisture all this stuff and you have products that do mold like if it just sits there
0: sugar the sugar be crushed i know so the deer wouldn't eat it now this is like i'd say like I'm 30, around the, around 21, 22, we had a property that was really nice. And I started, that's when that stuff got big and it was Lee and Tiffany on the bag. And I'm like, yeah, and I get it all and I take it out and I put it out with other things. And that's when I was noticing they wouldn't touch the sugar beet crush. I guess the amount of sugar that was in it or whatever, they wouldn't touch it for so long that it was, it would actually on the ground, almost mold or something. And then, then they would not touch the area. So I'd have to go in and get rid of all of it. Uh, it was a whole thing.
1: And that was kind of like the thing with like MRA, like 50 pounds of feed. When we first get it made and stuff like that, they're in 50 pound bags. So we put like 50 pounds out and it would last a long time. It takes a long time for that product because we use whole grain ingredients. We don't really mash them all up, crack them all up, turn everything into a powder, like right. try to be crushed mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it takes longer for mre to mold because of that reason, right? It's not um, already see. broken down. It needs to it, have a long period of time right. to break down, exactly. And even after, like I said, even even after it rained, I still sat there and watched deer bypass other products to go to ours, and it wasn't because ours I specifically placed to be the first line that they would hit. I specifically placed it in the last line, so they would literally, like I said, walk over top whole corn other products and hit ours even after it rained. So whatever we have in that bag happens to work enough to where the deer know they want that specific thing. So.
0: Yeah, I, I get it, man. I, that's a, it, it's always been a big, it's been up in the air for me because we don't, we used to bait we used mm. to put out corn and we would bait. And then when we got into trying to kill bigger bucks We realize that the more mature deer, our area isn't known for large deer, like where you guys are at. I I don't know exactly. I know a lot of big deer come from down Southern Maryland way. This like Carroll County itself and like Frederick County aren't really known for real big bucks. So, and then Pennsylvania, obviously right above it, not known for big bucks. So these deer in those areas, when we were trying to kill four to six year old deer and we actually had them in the area during the daytime you would never be able those deer were so smart because there were so many hunters around and it was almost like they were like uh-uh like i know better i'm i could shoot a mature doe over a corn pile maybe mm-hmm. but that four-year-old buck three-year-old yes four-year-old buck they it was like an, in the daytime they were mm-hmm. uh, uh-uh. they want nothing to do with it and so we battled that we backed up still use mineral and stuff but we backed up and we're like all right let's just um use the ag that we have and hunt off of that. And so that's been the way we've hunted for a while because everything did seem, the attractants quote unquote seemed Mm. so gimmicky. Everything it seemed like I was spending money and it didn't matter the bucks. Mm -hmm. Even if they would eat it, it was like, yeah, I'll just go there at nighttime. I'm going to stay in this bright patch all day. Yeah, And
2: most of the products that are in the major chain stores, like for us, we're bagging this, we're making it all ourselves. So it's, personal with us right these other ones have gotten to the point
1: they don't even know what's in it anymore
0: and they don't care as long as it's still making the amount of money that they need to make to cover everything and you go
1: to like walmart and tractor supply wherever how long how old is that bag
0: right who who knows it wasn't in the the back for a year and a half anyway and then came out exactly
1: i mean bass pro and cabela's they turn around and when I mean, their stuff stays out like year round because it's Bass, Bronco, Bellas, right? But I know like the small mom and pop stores like Southern States, for instance, it comes to a certain point where they have a big display during season and then they shrink it down when it's off season, right? Or those bags go. And that goes not only for your attractants and stuff like that, but then your seeds, your food plot seeds, stuff like that.
0: They go to a box that's in the back. They go in the sea container that's in the back lot that gets 180 degrees in the summertime.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Yeah, so. yeah, the, for sure. That's uh, it's cool. It's cool that you guys are local here, like in Maryland, because it's it, that's another thing. Is it means more to me to be able and people buying it to know where it comes from and know you guys are putting it together yourselves. Yep. And there's not a guy named Javier who's throwing it in the bag or using a machine to put it in the bags to put it into boxes to no, to I'm, ship it out. I'm the machine. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs>
0: Where's Bert? Yeah, Bert Kreischer. <laughs> But the mission. So after you guys got us kind of established, and I, how long ago was it that you guys like really had a foothold with the I, mineral game? Like like we really got
2: like know. me and you started doing stuff in like 2010 or 2012.
1: Yeah. Like and two, then, 2012 is when we initially started a Facebook page and we right. anchored down the yeah. name. We were doing stuff for the like of course, like a couple years before.
0: I don't know how I never heard of you guys before then. Because I I don't know because I, I I've been like I've been in this thing for so long or like in the hunting in the out in the outdoors with guys mm. I got buddies who work who from here work for Midwest Whitetail like I don't know how we but, suck ass
1: at marketing yeah, <laughs> I'm straight up tell you well the problem is
0: you you're probably like everybody else in the game and the reason that I stepped away from trying to grow Mountain and Marsh as a product based company was because it was like uh, I can't beat. Lee and Tiffany at advertising and oh, I can't no. beat wild, you know what I mean? Wild game innovations. Mm-hmm. Like you can't beat these companies. Nope. It's like when people start up call companies and I, anybody who wants to do anything I'm on board. Like I I commend it. The problem is it is there, the outdoor industry is so flooded with people who want to make it in the outdoor industry that it's like, mm-hmm. it's a battle all the time. And so you might advertise well, but you'll never advertise, unless you're that yeah. big, you'd never advertise better right. than those people, you know? Yep. I mean, is it the best way to make a million
1: dollars is to start with a million dollars. That's right. It. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. You you, you do not get into this industry and it's everybody's like, oh, the hunt community, like online, like, oh, we need to have each other's back and blah, blah, blah. You I okay. mean, and don't know, I agree. I agree 100%. Every hunter should have each other's back. You know, just because you hunt a different way than I do, doesn't mean I should down how you hunt, right? If you want to use MRE, use their marine. If you don't want to bait, period, then don't bait. But right. as long as it's legal, who gives a shit, right? So, but uh, it, you turn around, you go inside this industry, and you think, oh, yeah, they'll, you know, open arms, stuff like that, help you out.
0: Hell no. Nope. Yeah, because there's not, there's not very much room, so everybody's pretty... I tried to make a lot of connections from land sales and realty all the way down to what could I make that would help other people when I could make a buck. And from the top to the bottom, I reached out for years with people and everybody was like, hush, hush. Like it was, uh, sorry, can't like, or yeah, you need to talk to blah, blah, blah. And like, I can't help you. And it was always like that. Huh? And so that was, it kind of hurt a little bit. Cause I'm like, man, like Everybody just wants to be, we all just want to be in the outdoors, all, you know, have a good time. And But when it comes to the business side, there's a lot of businesses where everybody can help each other because there's a lot of work. This this business, it's like everybody's cutthroat about everything. They are. It's they mushroom.
1: are. I mean, it is, it's like that when you're trying to get sponsors too. There is no difference. It's, you sit there, you reach out to, I mean, just name a company. You're like, hey, we're looking for, you know, a little bit of sponsorship money or whatever. You know, help us get through, start a little YouTube channel,
0: right? Yeah. Whatever it may be, try to sell advertisements. Nope. I did the same thing, man. I went through the, I went through the, uh, like a, a battle for months. And I'm, and my buddy's like, hey, man, we're, you know, with Mountain and Marsh, how could we get more money and could we get sponsored? And so I spent months trying to do it. And I realized that everybody I would talk to would be like, why don't you be pro staff? And it was like, what right. is pro staff? And they're like, Oh well so what we'll do is we'll give you 30% off on the website and you get three purchases a, a year 6 months and um and then also and then you have to make a video for us every month and blah blah, blah. and I'm like I just want so I, I will literally push your name and advertise you as much as you would like but I'm not playing the 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 bullshit game with you like I'm trying to make it and you're trying to make it like, let's work together. And people did not want to do that. It was not at all.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not building a resume here for pro staff.
0: Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of guys locally, and I won't say any names, but there's plenty of guys and quote-unquote companies, they aren't companies, they make videos, but guys who are like, if you go to their Facebook, the top will say pro staff four, and it'll be six different companies. Right. And I'm like, yeah, but you still go to work for the county five days a week, like, what do you... What do you do? All you do is make videos of you shooting your crossbow into a block target and going out hunting, like pictures of you hunting. It looks
2: good to somebody that doesn't understand what pro staff is. Right,
0: yeah. And I didn't. When I I first started asking around, I'm like, oh, cool, like I'll do it. And then they started telling me the terms, and I guess I'm just smarter than some of the other people that they talk to because I was like, wait, are you just like scheming me? Like, it's kind of like a Ponzi scheme, right? And they're like, well, no, no. And I'm like, yes, it is. (laughs) like. I'm cool with pushing doing your, your work name for you. Yeah, I'm cool with pushing your name, man. I'll put it on the podcast, YouTube videos, but you got to it's give and take, right? I don't know nobody really wanted that.
1: No, there's there's big companies, they they don't care. They don't there's it's going to be pro staff, field staff, however they want to call it. And just like you said, it's like 30%, 20%, whatever it may be. But in the end, what do you get out of it? In order to stay on that pro staff, you got to make two, three, or, or, you know, so many different purchases a year or meet a certain minimal amount. And that's why, like, we have pro staff, right? But we don't put requirements on them like that. Like, hey, if you want to join us because you believe in the product, you like what we have, you like us as people, right? I yeah. don't care. Because everybody on our pro staff, they get treated the same exact way. You know. Yeah. Now I will tell you, like our pro staff, If you don't share our stuff on social media, you don't, you know, help us push our product. And I know I I see every name that comes across when they purchase something. If I haven't seen you purchase something in a year and a half, and then I go right. to your Facebook page and you're using sugar bulbs and beets or whatever it is, and I'm like, <laughs> dude, yeah, like why
0: yeah, yeah for so sure then, so then
1: I'll, I'll i mean i'm like all right cool obviously you just want to be part of something to put
0: the label process on you it's not because of you know us right right plus plus use the name to uh push themselves be like yeah I'm, I'm with red trail yeah like that you know but not actually make enough purchases or or right. You know, I, I was always cool with like making content, but I know the last one I was a part of, I was looking to get some, uh, some new broadheads and I, I hunt off the ground a lot. So I really wanted to get like a hard hitting single blade broadhead, like bevel broadhead and just that way I could get gnarly with it. And when I reached out to this company, they were new and I'm like, Oh, cool. Like I can help you guys cause you guys are brand new and I want your product. And then I got their product. I, I'm not going to say anything. I got their product and, um, they weren't balanced. Like the heads weren't balanced. And I was like, hey guys, like this is, this doesn't work right. And they're like, well, we are new and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but you gave me 20% off and I still spent $35 on this three pack. So Uh uh, you gave me a a shit product. And then I ended up just stepping away from it. And I was like, we
1: we had a SIMO situation a couple years ago. Right. (laughs) And I like literally, we, it got to the point to where we were shooting these broadheads. And they weren't performing the way they were supposed to be performing. So I went back and I'm like, look, dude, I want to represent your company. I want to include your product in with what we're doing. I cannot put my name beside your product when I don't feel that it works. And for that reason, we have to step away. You're right. Yeah. And he got all bitched up, all kinds of stuff. To the point to where I couldn't even call him or reply. I added somebody else to call and talk to him because he went to my integrity, my service time in the Marine Corps and all kinds of stuff. And I was about to just go through the phone and choke his ass. And I'm like, I can't. I'm not doing it. I just can't. But that just goes to show you that some people in this industry, they're out for themselves. They don't give a shit about anybody else. They don't give a shit about the okay product. My marketing is good enough. And yeah, it is what it is. I'm not saying his the broadhead didn't kill the animals because his broadhead was set up to even if it didn't work, it was still gonna cut. Like it was one of those mechanical broadheads. Right, yeah. But you approach him with that, and he's like, Oh, yeah, we knew about that problem. If you knew about the problem, why the hell are you selling the product? You know what I mean?
0: It's it anything problem, to make a buck. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's, it's like, yeah. We'll just go ahead and we don't care how many, as long as people buy the product, they don't care. And that's one thing. I guess it's it must be us. Our integrity, because we were in the Marine Corps, our integrity level was so high that we're not just going to turn around and sell you crap. Right. For instance, we went through and we were, we had a problem mixing product and we're like okay this batch isn't smell like that batch this batch doesn't look like that batch and we literally sat there well it was probably like a month and we didn't bag a single thing because we noticed the problem no we bagged it and noticed the problem and we had already given it to our retail stores local mom and pop stores you know what we did when we figured out the problem and we bagged the product that we knew that was going to be good We went to those retail stores and grabbed every single bag they had and swapped it out because they're going to give it to the consumer and yet they have to somehow, you know, store it and everything else. And I know that that's bad product going out. Not
0: that it wasn't, like it, it would still like work. Bad. It just yeah, exactly. wouldn't. If you're a consumer, you dump one out and you dump the next one out. And you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, exactly. Not the same product.
2: We, we didn't have confidence in our own product that batch. So we, yeah. we weren't going to give it, it out yeah. to anybody. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I, I, with this company, I was talking about the Broadhead Company and just some others. It, it very much seemed like a, it was weird. It was, you know what I mean? Like there was always just something up. And I'm like, look, like if if you guys don't want to really work with somebody else, that's fine. Just say that. but. Like they they might have a person on Instagram be a promoter of theirs and have fifty followers, and then have another person have three thousand followers, and it was like, yeah, but well you're getting a lot more from that person. So what do you, what do you say? Like I'm kind of confused. It where they're like, well, we don't care who it is as long as people are pushing the product. And I'm like, but you should be caring who is like representing your company. Oh yeah, because you know who represents is just as good as who you are yourself. Like. Uh-huh. You know, so that, eh, I, I mean, I understand, I understand the situation and what it is. I think pro staff used to be a lot more inclusive, and nowadays it's who like if, I don't know if you guys have ever seen them, but Beaver Creek Game Calls is them, on yeah. Facebook all the time on my Facebook, my personal mountain and marsh, and it's like, uh, who wants to be pro staff? And a picture of a turkey call, and then in duck season, it's who wants to be pro staff? It's a picture of a duck call. And it's like how many people do you have pro because they're still making a profit. So I'm like, how many right. people are actually pro staffing for you guys nowadays? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, you have
1: thousands of people, you know, on these pro staff stuff and stuff like that. And it's great for companies like us. And like when scent crusher, you know, they had a very good pro staff and field staff setup. I mean, they were very active. They were very uh verbal. They definitely worked with the pro staff, right, the real staff, know. they gave contests. I mean, they did a lot of really cool stuff. And I, I commend them big time because we were we were part of them since they were purchased.
0: All that stuff went out the window.
1: Now it's it part costs of extra
0: time and money. So they were exactly. like, let's trim that fat and mm-hmm. get rid of that. Yeah, yep. yeah. I
1: mean, it's and it's sad that it went down to that, but you know, when I see so much bad from pro staff and there 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 is a lot of bad i mean just like we we, we talked about just a little while ago but then you have a situation
0: like and again scent crusher where it was a phenomenal experience right and it sink, was people helping you out and you're helping th- them out in comparison to yeah. you help them out quote unquote and then they're like huh that way they don't care like yeah there's i mean no it, connection
1: i mean since since uh, sink crusher literally built themselves up to be like a large, they were still mom and pop, you know, set up, right? At least that was the field that you got from them, but they made a lot of money. But once they sold, it's no longer their baby anymore. And the new company's right, like, yeah. new, and just, uh, you know, investment firms like, gone. Yeah. They don't need the people. Yeah, exactly. They need the masses.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So. so how, how far, um, have you guys out reached now? I mean, are, are you selling products? All over the place? Or? So we've, just this past season, we cracked into North Carolina.
1: Okay. Um, we've got a couple, a handful of places. We have, I think it's like four stores in Maryland that we have. Was it four or five? No, it was, was five. five. Was it was it five in Maryland? I f- I forget how many there is. Oh I yeah, mean, I'll be honest. There's, I see, I send a lot of product. I hand deliver a lot of product as long as it's local. Right. Um, but it's hard to get into these larger chains. So you have to rely on like the mom and pops. And the reason why it's hard to get into these chains like tractor supply is because you send the product there, then it has to go to corporate. Then there's going to be a trial period. Well, the problem is with us is that if that trial period's outside of deer season, it's going to be shit. They're, it's not right. going to And then they're going to
0: say, this product sucks and exactly. nobody buys it. <laughs> right.
1: Oh, right. it didn't sell from April to, you know, we'll just say August. Right. Well, of course not. Nobody's going to deer hunt. None of the other ones did either. Exactly. So uh, that's a whole corporate, you know, thing that we figured out and stuff
0: like that. But Why don't you guys sell more like around um, this time until like hard antler? Because if you guys if if you have a nutrient I'm glad you base brought that up. in your because that's why I reached out to you because I'm I do we we don't bait but mm-hmm. we do mineral so because of deer growth yeah. so MRE is an education problem. it's thing. great for does it's it's exactly. great for pregnant does it's great for deer transitioning to hard on yep so
1: there's different times of year the deer require different things so um. Let's see here.
0: The You're like me, you had to write down the I, uh, did, signs. I have
1: a shit I have a shit ton of notes over here. I have to like sift through them. But like I mean, just like you said, they there's there's specific products that what'd you break? Oh um, I can't take you nowhere. Uh so like there's certain ingredients, there's certain stuff within products. And MRE has this stuff in there, right? But a lot of people see it as an attractant versus one that is right. kind of like a Swiss, Ar- Swiss Army knife.
0: Well, a lot of people also utilize, like it, say you're 20 years old, mm-hmm. you you go September 15th and you grab a bag of whatever and you put it in front of your deer stand and with right. a pile of corn. Like, I bet a lot of people buy products that they don't even realize that they're buying a mineral comparative to an attractant or vice versa. Like oh, they, don't. they wouldn't understand. They'd be, Oh, big and J and they would just throw it out or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know Yeah. What I mean? yeah. No. And, but then like a lot of people, there's also, you got people who
1: will throw bait out during the season. Now, when you talk about all year round feeding, now your number dwindled a lot. So in a lot of those guys, they get the pellet pellets and, you know, I don't even know any really pellets, but you know, they'll get that stuff. or they'll just put whole corn inside of like a broadcast feeder or,
0: or soybean roast, roast beans, roast or...
1: beans or something like that. And they'll put it in like a gravity feeder, stuff like that. So, but they don't realize a lot of people don't like do like a lot of research. They're just like, Oh, that time of yep. year, yeah. they're growing horn stuff like that. And
0: it's a cool package. Right. <laughs> you, you'd walk by the Walmart right. and you grab it. Mm-hmm. Right. And
1: like when I was younger, It's exactly what we did. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I I was young and naive. I had no thought process. I was just like, okay, cool. They grow horns all year round, but they really grow their racks in the big time when it's in velvet, right? But even when the velvet was off, they still grow. Not necessarily. That's not necessarily true. Actually, it's really not true at all. But that's how when I was young, I thought. And then I became older became more knowledgeable, became more educated. And now I realize that different times of year require different levels of, we'll just say ingredients, right? I mean, so your hard horned antler is, this was done by the University of Georgia and they detected 11 different minerals and the calcium is 19%. Phosphorus being 10% and then magnesium being 1% and then sodium is 0.5. You know what sodium is? Salt. Oh, salt, yeah. But you got all these other salt rocks, salt blocks and all this other stuff that is 100% salt that people put out. What are you doing for that for that antler? You're not doing anything. Right, yeah. You know. This is count? during
0: this is during hardhorn period or growth. This is this is growth. Well, I'm sorry,
1: that was that 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 came from the Univers- University of Georgia on the actual uh hard horn. The makeup itself. of a hard horn. Right, exactly. Right, yeah. You know, and then and then um it's by what is it, growing antlers are composed mostly of proteins, 80%. So you're looking at during the velvet season, it's a lot of protein that goes into them.
0: Right, Right, which is why
1: you'll find them in the soybean fields. Mm You'll find them in the corn fields and stuff like that. And corn doesn't have a a lot of
0: protein in it. I always think early beans, summertime, deer want to be on beans because it's full of that. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why, like you said, like your roasted soybeans and stuff like that, people
1: buy that, put it in their gravity feeders. We're working up a protein feed now that is going to be focused around the gravity feeders and a higher protein level. MRE has 11% protein. You know, it has some soybean stuff in it. Now, is it as high as what we want? Absolutely not. But we don't want an excess of protein either. Because as you, as a person, you drink all these protein shakes, right? Let's say you're going with jam, stuff like that. I drink beer. Right. I drink. <laughs> <not that much. laughs> yeah. But yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> but you know, your body is there only. protein con- <laughs> in <it? laughs> your, your body only consumes so much. And that's the same thing with like any other animal as well. I mean, you look at cows, which is a lot of people compare deer to, they don't compare them. I've heard the term of deer are forest cows, right? And there's a lot of people on like the uh, Southern areas of Virginia that look at deer and think of them as forest cows. And a lot of that's because they take the easier route. You take a tree and you lay it across of a trail. And if the tree's big enough, they'll go around the tree Mm -hmm. and them going around that tree is to get them to go where you want them to go. Right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, you see in like Kansas, they'll take a line of fence and they'll open up a gate. And put a tree stand over that
0: oak tree right beside
1: it. Exactly. <laughs> right. And they'll walk right there, 20 yard shot. You're guaranteed if he's walking a fence line, he's going to turn right into that right into that gate. Like you said, 20 yard shot. Perfect. Right. So, but uh back a little bit back on topic was like they've right now is like the proteins and the minerals. And because you have lactating does and you have fawns that need it and stuff like that. And a lot of people think they'll put this stuff out and, and this is not anywhere. This is just ooh, broad. They think a product is a, if I put this out, I'm going to shoot a booner this year. That's nowhere even close to being true. Now I'm not saying you won't, Yeah, but that booner is not the product, not the, you know, result of you putting that product out. That is because of genetics and management or that deer just happened to live long enough
0: to reach his potential. It takes a lot of work to, to manage, to be the person who takes all that time to manage whitetail property to, or turkey property or whatever, to make it what it is. You can't just take a bag of anything and just dump it out and, Uh and be that, you know, yeah, I get what you mean. So
1: they, it's like two years is when they say you start seeing results. And that's not putting one bag out a year. That's continuously keeping that product out. Right. Yeah. The deer are continuously hitting it and stuff like that. So we came out with QRSU. What that is, is a straight up mineral product. It doesn't have any grain products in it whatsoever. But this focuses around literally the calcium and the phosphorus, is where we honed in on. Because you looked at the stuff on the shelf that, are minerals right and you go there and you look at the calcium and the phosphorus levels they're nowhere near the the 19 and 10 percent, right phosphorus helps with the lactating dose it helps with lactation it helps with digestion it helps with numerous other things but if you don't have it or you have a minimal amount and your supplement and the companies are putting more salt in there
0: they're putting, they're, in my opinion, they're putting salt in because it is in its own way an attractant because it works as the attractant because the deer taste, it's just like a cow lick. It's just like a salt right. block for cows. Mm-hmm. They come back to it in the field and lick it because it tastes good. Yeah. So if, if you're only having a product that's void of mineral, but you call it a mineral because it has 3% of this, 4% of this, and then you have 60% salinity in it or whatever the case is i don't know what their numbers are but if you have a product that is based to simply just attract the deer if i put a trail cam out back here and at 11 p.m on june 18th a big old buck comes in on velvet and i'm like dude can you? yeah that's because the deer was like this shit smells good, and I'm gonna eat it. Right. It's not helping him. He's just like, yeah, that's that's cool. I'll come back tomorrow night, not in the daytime, but I'll come back tomorrow night, and I'm gonna lick this. Like that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if you're if if products are not balanced in mineral and in nutrient, then the deer aren't even. You aren't actually seeing results from it, but you think you are. Bec- it's a mind fuck because you're it seeing the is. trail cam beep, beep 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 on your phone. You yeah. got your spy point or whatever, and right? you're like. Babe, look at this bug. It's 11. Look, he's at my truck. Yeah, well, he's at your truck, him, because he's licking the salt powder that you put on the ground. Up. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's
1: nothing you did for him. Right. And... He could have came from anywhere at that point. <laughs> you, <laughs> said, yeah. you sit there, and you have, like, salt blocks. You put them out, and they did, they did this big-ass hole, right? And you'll see pictures of them with the racks in there, those, you know, going down in it and trying to get and stuff like that. Well... Yeah, deer will eat the dirt and they will get some of the nutrients from it. That's where they get some of it. And, you know, there's doctors and biologists and stuff like that that have quoted this. Like, yeah, they will go and eat dirt. That's where they get some of their minerals and stuff like that. That's not saying where they get the most of them, but they will do that. So, Dr. James Kroll, if you don't know him, he's North American whitetail, Mm -hmm. right? He, uh, did this article called which minerals do deer need? And he honed in on the point of calcium and phosphorus. And he went on and said, it'll take about a year before you start being seeing any results. I said two a little while ago, but you know, one to two years is when you'll start seeing, and you're not going to see like a significant probably, you know, result because a lot of it is deer herd management, you know, and stuff like that. But he said for a granular mineral, you're looking for, Granule mineral is provided with less than 30% salt, 30% less salt, or 30, less than 30% salt and a rate of 12% calcium and, and 12% phosphorus. Well, you look at a lot of the products and a lot of them are over 30%. And then you have like our products, like QRISU, like I said, it is within 1% to 2% of that number I said earlier that was performed by the university of Georgia of 19% calcium and 10% phosphorus. It's literally within a percent or two.
0: Yeah. You guys are like doing some garage science and like yeah. putting together a product that is scientifically based for deer instead mm-hmm. of does do the deer come here and lick it, you know, like, yeah. and I, and I think that's nowadays. And I don't know if it's the explosion of YouTube or what, but I, I think in the last five years or so, People have started to wonder, you know, how can I grow bigger deer and and understand. People always wondered, but like understand why through. And I I don't want to use like the hunting public got huge, but they're not someone that you would see using mineral or anything. But just the attraction to YouTube, and then you see Midwest whitetails, and you see and these guys who base their life around growing and killing very large whitetails. I think that's kind of boosted a company like you guys where if you're a company who understands what you're it's like big and jay i don't know if you guys have ever noticed but they're the only company that like at dick's you go to dick's uh sporting goods you get a bag of big and J, and you flip it over they're the only company that i've ever seen that has a paper stuck label on mm. the back of some of their product that has it's just like horse feed it's like yeah. it, it's like that tag and mm. when you see it it's like Oh, okay. Like, and I don't know what their numbers are, but you see it and you're like, okay, that makes mm-hmm. sense. I now understand. And then I can, most people wouldn't, but I can go to Google and be like, what do I need for my deer? And like, yep. if you're at, if you actually know what a product has in it, it makes a lot more sense nowadays to put your money where your mouth is in terms of, I want to grow a bigger deer. Then you get what you need mm-hmm. to grow a bigger deer. Yeah. And, and like a lot of people think, oh, give them protein fees like
1: all year round. Well, that's not exactly the case because uh, QDMA and North American whitetail, I want to say, literally came out with like a chart of saying between this month and this month, the deer look for this predominantly. This is what they need. This month, this month, they need this. This right. month, that month. they need, this. And it'll go from like proteins to, to minerals to, you know, the whole shebang. And it's not, I can tell you right, it's not what you expected. But a lot of people don't do the research. They don't think about it. They're like, "Oh, let me
0: just get an attractant and throw it out there." That, yeah,
1: that attractant is nothing but flavoring and salt.
0: How do you how do you bridge the gap between? So earlier I brought up like fifteen to twenty five, and between the ages of fifteen and twenty five, you're more impulsive. So you make you buy products like the pink bag that says sugar beets on it or whatever. And so you're more impulsive to buy things like that because there's a big buck on it, and you know the cool packaging, and it's an attractant, quote unquote, and and you buy it's a mineral and you buy it. How do you bridge the gap between that age group and understanding? Because now at age 30, I am like, even for ducks, even for like now I understand hunting at a level that I never. I've hunted for my entire life, but I never understood, really took the time to understand until about 28. And then I started realizing, like, all right, this is how we're going to kill. It's probably 26. We're going to kill bigger bucks this way. We can hold more turkeys on the property this way, CRP, we're doing ducks. So I understand everything now. It's like, it's almost like, and I, I hate to put it this way, but it's like you want to bridge the gap for those kids between 15 and 25 and be like, this is what you need. You can still buy as much of this product as you want and hunt deer over it, but this is what you need. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of hard to find that line to... Yeah, kind
2: of asking the hard questions right now. <laughs> I know I know, 15 to 23 me knew everything, so...
0: Exactly. You, you knew everything and you, you thought you could drink 30 beers at a time. Oh
1: right. <laughs> hey, goddamn, i put a hell of an effort on it. Okay. I'm not saying oh, I too. won every time, but... I at least put the effort in there,
0: but that's, it's almost, that's how it feels. And like, to me, like, just like I said, I made the Facebook post and I was trying to find someone local who made mineral because one, I wanted to support local, but also two, I wanted to kind of find out where the mineral was coming from and see how things were done. Because now at 30, it, it means more to me Two, If I work hard for my money, I want to put my money mm-hmm. in the right spot And uh, promote the right things and stuff like, and and do the right things for deer development and stuff. So that's kind of, it's hard because there's a really good group, of age group, where it's like, I know you guys buy this product because you want to hunt it, and that's cool. But also, do you know that, like, you're doing a good service for your deer by buying MRE and things like that? Mm. So how do we bridge the gap?
1: That's very interesting. I don't know that we can, like... Totally bridge the gap,
2: but that's why we have a cool package too, because of that fifteen year old. <laughs> All right, buddy. Yeah.
1: I mean it's it it's 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 hard. If, if, if really it really truly is, because you're trying to talk to somebody like Corey said, at fifteen to you know, young 20s, you know, it's there's a few things on your mind, and not many people are like about what product do I want to buy that I can give to my white-tailed deer herd do help benefit them. A lot of them are like, okay, that one has a flashy label. Let me get that. Right, yeah. And even when it has a flashy label or a semi flashy label, they don't consider the, you know, ingredients that are in it, the levels that are in it and stuff like that. I just look at, Oh, I seen this on a commercial once. Or
0: well, it it's that, or when you're walking past it and you and your buddies are like, we, I get some corn and some mineral. And then uh-huh. you just grab it. Cause it's right there at Walmart and right. you don't even look at the back of it. You just grab it and you just, and dump it out at your stand and you put a trail cam over it and you tell your buddy about the picture of the 10 point you had at 3 a.m. And, you know? okay. yep. and, and you know, it's, you could always tell in the Marine Corps
1: when payday was because when soon as people got paid... The alcohol in the barracks? Exactly. The alcohol in the barracks. When you first got paid, it was what that individual preferred. I mean, we didn't do that. We never drank in the Marine Corps. No. No. <laughs> But uh, so it would always be what that individual wanted. The right. further away it got from payday, now you start seeing the, you know, natty lights. And, you know, I know that's some people's preference, but you start seeing people go down and from their palette down to just what can I buy for Five bucks type deal, right? You start seeing like the plastic bottles of vodka and gin walking around and stuff like that's that. That's funny. I and still drink Keystone,
0: wine. even though I drank it at 16. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it, I think it also kind of comes with how much money you have. How much money are you willing to spend? And that's kind of like the thing, like with us, we have developed this product not only for it to be efficiently affordable, but also to benefit the herd as well right and yeah like i said emory is kind of like that that one thing like a swiss army i mean it's like the best of all worlds kind of thrown into a bag not saying it's excellent in one area and not as excellent in the right
0: other. generally it's, though you can put it out all can, year long exactly. and, it, and it does what it mm, needs gonna to do, do during that time period
1: right and right. and we found it's it's worked well um you know, mixing it with corn inside of a gravity feeder, I would not recommend putting in a broadcast feeder because there is minerals in there and that'll gunk up the machinery mm-hmm. for the broadcast feeder.
3: Right.
1: Or you can just put it on the, put it on the ground and then you can get QRSU, like I said, which is, that's strictly a mineral. I think you just put that right on the ground or however you want to do it. Um, Dr. James Crow, he had on that article I just quoted a little while ago, he literally had like trough feeders, like roofs with roofs on top of them. And he would literally take it and put the granular mineral in it. And what that did- So it would keep it from being on the ground, getting wet and- Right. But it also, when the deer went over there to get it, it wasn't so much them getting dirt in that. It was them getting the strictly mineral Strictly what, yeah, strictly yep. what they needed.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I also noticed that, and maybe you can speak on this, but some items, some attractants, some minerals, some- apples versus corn like if you put out a bag of corn a deer eat the corn off the ground but they're not burrowing in the dirt yeah. if you put out apples the juice will leak into the ground and they will you can drive a semi truck after 10 years into that hole like they'll just dig it as far as they can to get the juice out of the ground mm. so i i mean is that what happens is the is the more powdery or anything that's that can break down quickly it just seeps into the ground and the deer will eat it up? so like so like your minnows, like your
1: salt. I'm gonna use that because a lot of products have salt in them. Right. Um, your phosphorus, your calcium, whatever ingredients, your your minerals specifically, as it rains and gets wet, it'll go down into the dirt. And like I said earlier, deer will go and scrap scratch at the ground and get their some of their minerals that way. Not saying that they won't get them all that way, like I said earlier. But literally Dr. James Kroll and um and others have went in there and said, Yeah, they'll they'll eat dirt. And I mean, QDMA said it and everybody else, they will eat dirt. Yes. Right. Yeah. You know, but, um, to your point, when your minerals soup into the ground, that's where you see a lot of the digging, the flavoring and stuff like that. Now QRSU, we have it with apple and persimmon right now. We're considering other flavors and stuff like that. Apple is a very big, it's very popular when it comes to flavors. And so is persimmon, which is why we have those two flavors. A lot of other people like molasses. A lot of other people like peanuts, um, stuff like that. And they were great. They were phenomenal. Mm. I'm not saying they don't because there's a lot. I mean, I heard uh, orange corn works like down in like Florida. I'm like, orange corn? I would have I never guess, thought of yeah. orange corn. But they got orange trees down there, right? So now it starts making sense. Now you start kind of pinpointing what flavors are going to work where and stuff like that. Like people ask me, go, what flavor do you... Do you recommend? I don't have apple trees or persimmon trees on my properties. So I've had success with both apple and persimmon. What I have found is that people with persimmon trees, if you put persimmon out, it works better than if they were to put apple out and vice versa with apple trees. Just more natural. To exactly. Exactly. Area, right? You put something foreign. I mean, this morning I put a fence up this morning to put a cow into a trailer. When something new is in the area, a lot of times, especially like a structure like that, them cows are like, oh, hell no.
0: Right? right yeah. they, they, they don't- Oh, like I it. used to
1: work on dairy farm right now. Yeah. So we had this whole fun morning to get this damn cow on the trailer. Finally, finally got it. He got a nice, good kick to the calf himself. I did. I did. Luckily, it didn't hit me solid and it kind of like brushed off the side, but <laughs> Corey watched me walk what, well, like two, three steps, mm-hmm. kind of like cowboy. Sure, Make was sure my still leg there. Is still there. <laughs> I was like, okay, I felt that kick, but
0: yeah, I've I, I've had a I've had a couple broken noses, uh, broken ribs. I had a cow's I was, getting mean. I I, I I had a rope and I was trying to toss
1: it around her, um, without you know I'm no professional at this roping thing at all, but I can get it around the cow at some point, and I'm trying to sit there and like I was about to like toss it on her, and she had reared up her back end and she kicked, and I kind of turned my head a little bit, and her whole hoof like when like right there i'm like i'm about to miss a jaw she's about to kick my jaw off but uh to your point uh yeah so when the stuff gets wet and with dew and rain and stuff like that general weather they'll seep into the ground now what we also found out is that there's a certain point where the deer will basically they won't completely leave your mineral sites but they'll kind of like go elsewhere and get their nutrition nutrients and stuff like that. And they got other things on their mind at the time, various parts of the year, various, various needs. But then like Nick had told me they left his alone and all of a sudden come November and the red hit, they went right back to it as if they had just like, it was all summer long.
0: That's funny because I, I would have guessed like backwards. Like I would have guessed because in, in my, uh, what I've seen over the years, my experience normally about october 25th it's it's almost like those mineral sites if there's corn out the does will still come to them but it's like those mineral sites and granted i was using whatever i was using mm-hmm. but back when we used it a lot it would almost be like those trail cans i'd have running pictures but that would be it like i yep. it was it was like they would just tick off and go dead and then that mm-hmm. camera might hit back December 20th mm-hmm. and that they might be in there trying to get some nutrients for the winter or whatever they were doing. So mm-hmm. I got the same of, and I'm, I'm cool getting all the dough pictures
1: in the world when it gets closer to November, because when you have the does, you'll get the bros. Right. Now, I'm not saying those bucks are going to come right in front of that camera, but if you have a dough there, all it takes is that one little win at that, at that right time of year. And next thing you're going to have him coming in, he might be 30, 40 yards, maybe 60 yards. That's why some people, they'll actually put their bait pile, you know, at a certain point and they'll keep it there, but then come like certain point, some uh, certain parts of the year, they'll actually back off of it. Like and cut nut. the distance. Yeah. Right. Because they'll know that he'll go downwind mm-hmm. of that pile to yeah. check that pile to see if there's a, a doe there. And if not, right. he'll just keep on going. Now, if you're hunting right over top of it, you may never see it, or he'll wind you, and you're screwed. Right. So, all
0: right, let's take a break real quick. We're in our room.
1: All right, I,
2: I can I take a piss break. break. Yeah, Me I too. was about to explode.
3: I
0: was looking around like, is there a bathroom um, inside of here? <laughs> anywhere outside of boat. awesome.
3: yeah. I I'm do Hmm. <coughs> <coughs> <Yeah. coughs> <coughs> <Cool. coughs> ah. What's a-
0: it is what i like it you know a lot of water found. yeah actually that's not all my decoys some a bunch of them are down in average them you know you
2: ever uh take one of them and switch the batteries out
0: not yet because my son is so young and i'm a that thing scoots as is like i can't catch it sometimes so I, i'm afraid to switch it out to a wall because my buddy did and his his daughter fucking holds an ass on oh, everything yeah my
1: buddy did it too and he can't uh he can't start off on this he have got to start off on the
2: grass or the gravel or something else sure. you just this <laughs> boy's like three years old and
3: getting
1: it the age of no fear <laughs>
0: yeah. uh. Oh, are uh. you drinking liquor?
1: I do. I drink a lot of liquor now than I do beer.
0: I like a good whiskey, but I don't drink too much of it. Because when I was growing up, we drank a lot of Kentucky gentlemen. Because uh. I was just trying to get drunk. It does sound painful.
1: <laughs> I yeah, I just recently
2: switched to this, just because beer was put down. Mm. This'll bring me back up. Getting old's a
0: bitch. <laughs> How old are you go?
2: Thirty five.
0: Thirty five. Thirty five. Yeah, I got to about. I think it was like 29, and that's when, I guess, what beer would bloat the fuck out on me. But I still drink some beers every once in a while. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I got a bunch of big truck brewing beers in there. My buddy, Dylan, his dad, is like the private lead contractor for uh, Kip Falk, who owns big truck. And they do like Cam Haynes shit, and they have like big bow shoots in Hartford County. and they. Those guys are, I'm hooked up with them, so I get some of their stuff. That sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Matter of fact, the beers that are in there were the last beers they made of, it's like they're black IPA beers, and he brought a whole two flats, and I was like, what's this for? He's like, oh, dad was in the warehouse, and they just said he could have them. They were the last two flats of the season. I was like, man, right, I'll put free beer in there. Not going to turn that down. The best beer is free beer. Yeah, I'm not too picky.
1: I'm really not, especially if I'm at like drinking someone else's beer. I don't complain.
0: I just give me a beer. I'm cool with it.
1: Don't say no to free beer. That's for damn sure.
0: Somebody left them bushes in there, and I don't drink bush, but if I guess if I run out, I'll drink them. Yeah, hard <laughs> times. <laughs> I, I got to be careful nowadays. I can't drink it in public. I, I get called names. <laughs> Yeah, we do a lot of waterfowl hunting. Um, I grew, growing up, we we hunted, I mean, I, I hunted everything. And we killed so many fucking ducks and geese that I never thought about it. Like, I just got those mallards mounted, and only because the hen was so pretty. But um, I got those mallards mounted because I got a buddy who does really good taxidermy work up here. And uh, my buddies were always like, dude, you kill so many different birds. Like, why don't you get them mounted? And I'm like, I don't know. Growing up, we didn't get them mounted. We just ate them. And, and now everybody's like, dude, like I got a wood duck in there now. Cause I killed a nice wood duck this year. And they were like, you got to get that thing mounted. And I'm like, I don't know. I kill wood ducks all the time. Like we always kill fucking wood ducks. I don't know. <laughs>
1: I got a pair, uh, mounted there's a whole story behind it, but I've got the habitat with it. Cause I said, I'm only going to mount this, like the pair one time. I'm not going to get, you know, three or four wood ducks mounted unless I'm doing like a whole display, which I'm not going to do. But yeah, I got this badass wood duck display, and I is. I went to the taxidermist, a uh, frozen in flight in Richmond, Virginia. Okay, and I gave it to him. I'm like, all right, look, this is what I need or I want. Other than that, do what you feel you need to do. Mm-hmm. And basically, all it was was I needed hang from hanging from the wall. After that,
0: that's, I want it. It's exactly what them. I did with those mallards. The guy, his name's Garrett Martin, he owns a, uh, Martin Avian Taxidermy, and uh, he he did that blue bill too, but that was when he was first starting, and now he's been in business for like four or five years, and he only does it himself, and he's so busy that um he only takes birds till like around January 15th, 20th, and then he'll be like, hey guys uh, on Facebook, he'll be like, hey, I'm taking 10 more birds if you want a bird. Bring it in now. Yeah. And my brother had never killed a duck before. And we were, we were on a lake here in Pennsylvania and he killed a stud gadwall at first light. Like I, like he came in on the decoys, perfect. And it was two hens and a Drake. And I didn't know what they were. And I jumped up and I said, you take right, I'll take left. Boom, boom. I shot both hens and he shot the Drake. And when I paddled out in my kayak, I use a little, I got that kayak out there. I use it to hunt. And I was paddling out there and I picked up the hen that I shot and I'm like, motherfucker. (laughs) <laughs> I knew what he had shot as soon as I picked it up. Like I picked up the hen and I went and got his Drake and his first duck was a stud gadball And I was like, you realize that on this little tiny lake in Pennsylvania, you realize what you just did, and like you shot, and he's like, Oh, it's so cool, my first duck. And I'm like, you motherfucker. You don't even know what you just shot.
2: That's that's how he felt about my deer.
1: That damn. That, that and you've been spoiled since. Your ass has been spoiled. What what sizable deer have you killed since?
2: Uh well I hit one with the truck. No
1: didn't. This dude, (laughs) I'm literally sitting. So he was sitting in my stand over top where I shot my Velvet button. And was it the year I shot my Velvet button? Which I don't know what what story we talk about. When (laughs) 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 So he you know, I was sitting at my parents' house. I'm like watching my phone and he was texting me left and right, sitting in the stand. He goes, Yeah, I got a dome in front of me. I got this, that. Or you know you, you saw him earlier, or whatever, and he's like texting me back and forth, just normal conversation, or whatever. And next time he shuts up, and I'm like, he ain't said nothing for like 15 minutes. I was like, this boy's got deer in front of him. Next thing I know, next text comes in, and goes, I killed one. I was like, cool. What'd you get? I don't know. I'm like, oh man. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? He's like, I don't know. <clears throat> so <laughs> I get the four wheeler. I go on over oh. there.
2: That one.
3: But
1: we gotta we gotta talk some more before we get to this part, okay?
2: <laughs> so it was it was last light. And I, this is like five minutes before last light, and this deer just comes jutting down into this ravine. I didn't see what it was. I just saw the hind end of it and I'm like, "Oh, that could be big. So this thing's coming around. I there's a lot of like uh dang. Holly Holly trees all over this area. So they're hiding behind the daggone thing. And I'm waiting for this thing to step out. I'm thinking, man, he's not gonna step out before last light. But he does, but I can barely see him. I have no idea. I know it's a buck, but I have no idea the size or anything. I can barely see some ivory coming up. All right. All right. Well, let me just go like this. And when I did that, the little bit of illumination on the site, I could no longer see the deer. So I was just like, all right, well, that deer is about that height on that tree. So let me aim at that, get myself set, and move back over and let it go. <laughs> Pin the
1: deer to the ground, but I didn't kill the daggone thing. I spined it. Dude, yeah. he didn't know he spined this thing. <laughs> so when we pulled up <laughs> and with the four-wheeler, lights were shining on it. This deer picked his head up. I turned to Corey. I said, Shoot that damn thing again. Cause <laughs> so I ain't walking over Took it's going to it. gonna whip my ass. He shot it again. I'm like, Yeah. And unfortunately, it was a whole, you know,
2: oh, huge, huge four point.
1: Yeah. All about like, I don't know, maybe the size of a cup. Yeah.
2: 10 pounds, maybe.
1: <laughs> God. Uh, That's a good time. All right. Let's do Now, what other cool questions we got?
0: All right. So with the company being where it is now, where do you see, like, say just for 2023, what are your goals by the end of this year? Like, are you looking to venture funnel into another area or are you trying to put on an an online presence and try to grow the online presence? So
1: we're, we're definitely looking at, um, so I just got done with my master's. I've had a lot of life changes along with a lot of us that are in the high in the upper echelon of doors, Um this year alone, now that I'm done with I know you're playing footsies with me. I was like, what is that? <laughs> and uh uh anyway, so 2023, our focus is going to be on marketing because we have a knowledge that that has been our fail point. Um and we really need to beef that up to get our products really start rolling. We are at the same time continuously going to our mom and pop stores from anywhere that from South Carolina, all the way up as far as we can go up and as far as out West we can go. I mean, we've had people in Missouri purchase our product year after year and I mean, stuff like that. So we're trying to kind of tap into different stores in different States that allow for these products. Now, interesting thing about these products from a business perspective, it's a, it can be illegal to use it, like state of Virginia, right? Yeah. It's illegal to use these products during the season. Yeah, I hunt in Virginia, yeah. but it's not illegal to sell them, right? Yeah. So I can still get mom and pop store in Virginia to put our product on the shelf, and they don't care if you buy it during the season or not. They're not going to send there call DNR on you because they're making a couple of dollars off of you for buying the product, yeah. you know, and.
0: I mean, everybody, It that's it's, the, it's like in here in Pennsylvania, you can't, you can't bait during the season, but if you go to Walmart, there are two full pallets of corn always yep. in the center aisle at Walmart. Like you, and when you put it in your, when you put it in your cart and then the guy beside you puts it in his cart, and you look at each other, you're like, uh-huh. Yep. Like, and I, e- I even, know. even though like we're right at the line, I actually, we don't bait here, but like, I might get a bag of corn from our lease in Carroll County, Maryland, just below the line. And I'm <laughs> like, and they're, they're like, uh-huh. <laughs> like, like, I was like, I, I know what you're doing. <laughs> uh, whatever.
1: Yeah, no, it's, that, that's exactly it. So really there is no basically boundary for us for as far as mom and pop stores, but right, it's, yeah. it's 2023. It's, uh, re- revamping our, our YouTube and our social media because we've been, highly slacking on that. I'm um, Marketing in general, right? Anywhere we can market and how we can market is where we're looking to beef up 2023, as well as mom and pop store, you know, presence. So, yeah,
0: it's, it's hard to be busy and like doing red trail and also having your own life mm-hmm. and then also spending I, with mountain and marsh. When I first started doing it, I don't know how many hours I spent either researching or doing like making posts using you know canva or legitimate services to make legit posts so they didn't look stupid like yeah. and making these nice pretty po- i don't know how many hours i spent doing it and it, to this day like it's cool because i've grown and everything but it's like man like the amount of time i sat on a couch with a laptop and a phone and like mm-hmm. spent doing this shit when i had other stuff to do as well uh-huh. it is right. it is crazy i mean and i will tell you to this day this
1: is just um, from the way that we kind of operate within us, everything that we make still goes back into the business. People get paid back for you know what they need to do let's say that Corey makes a purchase for the company, then Corey gets paid back whatever that amount is right right so but the company is self-sustaining it ain't going nowhere we unless unless we utterly fail or decide to just give up. Yeah, unless you guys stop working, it'll keep moving. Exactly. I mean, we we have profits every year and stuff like that. So there's really, with everything being self-sustaining, nobody's on payroll. So all the money's just there. Now, I'm not saying we have like thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, because at that point, once we scale, if we were to ever scale to that sizable amount, then I'm going to turn to Corey and be like, hey, man, quit your job, because I need a worker. Yeah, I'm totally gonna do that nobody's listening
2: right
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah right like tell your wife not to listen.
1: <laughs> you know so but it's it's all that we are a literally small veteran-owned business that gives a damn what we put our name to and what product we push out and it's not like these larger companies So they just make a product slap it out put a flashy label on it like we actually give a damn what we give how long that product's been sitting on the shelf and so on right, and so forth, yeah. right? Because we don't want you to take a product, even if it's sitting in the store, if we can, you know, deal with it ourselves, they we don't want you to get a product that's two years old, three years old, whatever else. Not because we don't trust that product, but because we want you to have the freshest product possible. And that's the biggest thing for us.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a weird bridge to cross because it's like,
2: yeah, business wise, it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but we hate being shit people. is basically what we're at. I
0: and well, I think I think there are ways to not be a shit person and give a great product. I just I want like, is there a way to like where, delegate how long your product was sitting in storage or like? I can
1: tell you right now where we're gonna run into problems, and I already know this is when it comes to corporate. Like, if we start dealing with like Bass Pro, Cabela's, Tractor Supply, Rural Farm, stuff like that.
0: They just want a product they can flip. Right, exactly. They just exactly. want a product they right. They don't really care how else.
1: Exactly. They don't give a damn if it's two years old. They, they got shareholders.
0: That. Exactly. We can't make the shareholders
1: happy. Yeah,
2: you, yeah, you just damn. send it to a distribution center and they send it wherever it needs to go. You don't get to say, oh, it's going to that store. Oh, right so you guys would
0: like, con- you, you would be contracted with someone who would then- take it wherever most most of
2: like the tractor supplies and walmart and stuff they just have a big distribution center where all the products go and then they divvy it up on where it needs to go from there you don't actually take it to that store in your hometown right right. they don't throw it on the shelves from that point
1: like i think it was a tractor supply we looked at first they have i think it's hagerstown not hagerstown because that's right it was somewhere up here it was somewhere like northern maryland somewhere that we would have to send the product to That'd be nine tons, 10 tons, whatever it may be. Right. We'd have to send the product there. And then at that point, that distribution center would, like Corey said, divvy it up and it could go to the store that's 10 minutes from my house. But I can't just take it to the store that's 10 minutes from my house because it's a corporate organization. So it makes uh, I, it a little yeah, bit yeah. harder.
0: So you're, so, so yeah, so you're not quote unquote covering that shipping cost, but you're going to pay for it somewhere along the way. Like you, whatever your connection is they're shipping back to your hometown, but you can't take it there. So I'm sure there's something factored in there where like the percentages make it work for the company that you're the distributing Mm -hmm. company and
1: shit like that. I mean, at the same time, like we have to look out for our own. So like shipping costs, stuff like that. But then here's like the problem that we have to do is already because we have our product price so low. I mean, we could market it up, you know, and be equivalent with other products. We're a lot of, different products that are small mom and pop, we beat them by like a couple of dollars. Some are right there in line with us. They have the same battle that we have and stuff like that. Some people have like the ins and outs of different, it's every company is different, right? Right. But when you have a larger company who can be like, okay, cool. I can spend to make five cents per product when I send it to the, did this distribution center when I'm sending nine tons, right? Versus us, five cents per product going to the same distribution center. Like that's more hurtful on us. Right. Yeah. than it is like wild game nations or whatever.
0: And it also needs to make sense for you guys in terms of, does it put it, does it put your product in front of enough people that like, yeah, you're still making a profit, but also it has to put it in front of enough people in enough areas at a distance Mm -hmm. that you could then in a year from then feed off of it and maybe develop another relationship with another like network to another developer or a dis- distributor rather and get the product to the next state west virginia or whatever the right. case would be so you almost have to it it has to make sense on multiple levels mm-hmm. as a business yep and that's why it's like everything i'm i kind of take
1: the role of like cuz i'm like the president ceo i i like i, l- I do a lot of research i kind of look into these companies i reach out i contact them and these guys do as well But like, whenever a lead comes in, like we sit down and talk about it, right? To get an unbiased opinion and someone that comes from like the outside of the conversation be like, well, what about this? Did we think about this before we make this decision? Because this decision could tank us or it could be, is it worth it? Is it not? It's basically what it comes down to. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so then it's.
0: They're balancing like the amount of time and effort that right. it's going to go into something like that, and you you guys might work your ass off, and then three years from now, I'd be like, yeah, oh, that that didn't really even connect us with yeah. anybody exactly. Else,
1: exactly. I mean, just like the waterfowl they were they were phenomenal when we did it, but in the end, did it really do anything for us?
0: Probably not. Right. Yeah. But especially because you guys completely turned heel within the outdoor industry, right, and went the whitetail direction, right, and because of that. It does not that, not that uh, duck hunters aren't the same as some whitetail hunters, but there's a lot of guys who are hardcore about white or duck hunting that aren't whitetail hunters or they don't care.
1: Yep. And then being in Maryland, I mean, we're battling like Sean Mann and a bunch of other established, really known, really good calling companies, you know, and when they're coming to our competition, utilizing their calls and winning in our competitions, it's like, I'm great. You competed, but what does that do for us?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody might show up and see your banner up there, but then like the uh, the Tim Grounds guy wins, yeah. and you're like, yeah, I I get it. You yeah. guys are Tim Grounds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, of course, you have the best callers. You're Tim Grounds. <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. That's the the outdoor industry is such a the business aspect is such a battle, and I always when I started this thing, I I was like we're going to, we're going to do something. Like I'm going to make a physical product because just as you had said, it takes so much money and really it's risk to make videos and try to be the next out of the 150 major people who do it on YouTube now, because everybody does it. How do you become that next person on YouTube and make enough sponsor money? And so it was like, all right, we're going to do a physical product. Then we started talking about physical products. I'm like, what physical product I'm pretty down to earth so like I still I use haze calls but I still use the same <laughs> haze calls that I've had for years since since I was the impulsive 20 years old 20 year old I still kill ducks and geese over those calls so I have those same calls and I have a slew of different calls and it's like is the call industry right no it's not all right, so what can we do within that? How about lanyards? Because everybody who has calls needs lanyards. And I started looking into lanyards. I'm like, there's 50 people within 50 miles that make lanyards. All right, back up. What's the next thing? Could we do whitetail stuff? And then I was looking, you know, and it was just like, yeah. wow. Like, there's so many people who do that. Yeah,
2: we got to the point that we were engraving the calls just to customize them for people mm-hmm. to be different. And then that was that was probably like our last step when we were like, this is a little much.
1: Yeah, because yeah. every time it would be a single person sitting there engraving it,
0: names, initials,
1: you know, we, artsy we, on it, we have
0: a local guy, Mason Dixon, Game Calls, Caleb and uh, Caleb's a great dude. He's friends with me. But Caleb um, makes only custom calls now, like he doesn't even really make calls because he's like, it, it, they're the only money in call making is like, hey, I have a picture of my daughter and me with a turkey and I want it in a pot call, and then he makes it. And then, so, so yes, if you're at that level and you, you can't grow it when you make custom calls, you're not growing to an extent of zinc. You are, you're going to be big in maybe your area, but there, there will be another guy in La Plata who makes custom turkey calls. And there'll be another guy in Richmond, Virginia who makes turkey calls. And it's like, how far can you really grow? Because Joe down the street, from them also makes custom calls so you can only grow so much and that that was like the battle for us and uh the podcasting thing just was where it stuck and that's what I've done in the video you DIY videos but so it is, it is really is a grind to make physical product in the outdoor industry. And I, like when I would go to the Harris, from here, I'm only 40 minutes from the Harrisburg Lucky. Sportsman show. So, so like I, I, we would go up there and even when I lived in Carroll County, I was an hour. So we would drive up there every year and we check the new products and I would just find myself back at the Hayes calls thing. Cause those, those guys were cool as shit, like super down. The other guys might be like very corporate those guys were down to earth the guy you could smell cigarettes on him he just came walking in i was like you want to blow a fucking call like he was just cool <laughs> hey, as shit yeah. and like that those are the that, best people that's how and i was like yeah hell yeah like those are really good so yeah. i just it like going up there and watching over the years the progression and the companies that have came and went Yep. since i was 14 and they've just came and went it was like there's some still around but a lot of people go come and go so it, it's so cutthroat that it scared me. And I was like, it is. I need to get away from from that. But. I mean, because I'm not I'm not trying to put bad name to any
1: product on the in the in the industry at all. I just know that some, But fuck them. No, I'm yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's some products work, some products don't. And I've what I've also came to realize is that, yeah, my farm, I've had great success with M R E and QRSU, right? I've had phenomenal stuff. And, and, but you go, oops, you go like, I don't know, maybe six miles, eight miles down the road to another farm. He goes and puts the same product out and he's like, oh man, this crap don't work. I'm like, I got picture evidence and evidence on my wall that it works. What do you mean it doesn't work? So every deer herd is different. Every farm is different. It's not
0: just deer herd though. It's it's also how active... Are the people who live there in management? And oh yeah, yeah How I'm active saying. are they buying your product and always putting it out on time and they putting schedule. it in a good
2: location? They're like, oh right, yeah, we put at it out a good in location. the middle of a barren field. Uh, yeah, that's probably not going to work. They're not walking out there and exposing themselves.
0: Or if they throw it in a creek bottom that lays wet, and then yeah. it's like obviously after a rain, you're going to have issues. Like, uh-huh. so yeah, yeah. I Number mean, we had
1: we had one spot.
0: You can't teach sense. <laughs> we had,
1: I mean, to, to your point with I put that, it in we the bed of my Chevy, <laughs> trying to get them to get close.
0: I sat there on the hood
1: too. <laughs> but uh, we had we had one stand, and for years it was above water level. And then next thing you know beavers beavers came in and we literally oh, walked yeah. down there to go deer hunting and the water kept us probably what was like 300 yards from the stand it was like retarded <laughs> right. and we finally went over there and Hey you don't say that and no.
0: <laughs> So you grabbed a shotgun, you went wood duck hunting. Exactly.
1: So, you know, it's like, okay, cool. We're going to go Actually, deer yeah. hunting. Yeah, we did see wood We have pictures of there. wood ducks over our mineral. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like we had, I checked the camera and you could see the water level, like right there at the camera. And, mm-hmm. Shockingly enough, the camera didn't get, you know, damaged, which is really good because I had really good seals on it, apparently. Um, but you had deer that would literally walk and their bellies are in water. And next thing you know, their head goes, disappears. And they're going down there to get MRE, QRIS, you know, whatever product we have down in there. Whatever they wanted was there. And it was probably just habitual. They were like, I got to yeah. get to that spot. They they, they probably saw a worm. It was like, yo, what is that? No, You know, but the point is like, if deer, if you have a bait site and it's underwater, that's not normally underwater. And you have whatever product you have that you're using and they've been hitting it. The deer know what they want.
0: They know where it is. They're at least going to come back and check it. Cause exactly. They, they, we all like to act like animals are smart. They're not. We're just, we're, we just don't instinctively understand them. So we're like, yeah, that buck keeps me slip, but really, that buck's like, I think I'm going to go to that spot today, and he just slips you. You know what I mean? Like, right. That's just how we I mean, so we like had
1: do
2: calculus. Come on.
1: <laughs> we had so smart. the velvet the velvet deer I shot. Um, we it's, the way the stand is, it's like right there on the on the hillside, and it's it's a really steep hill. But our access is like golden for this spot because you walk in, maybe like fifteen yards, maybe, and you step into the stand, and then across the creek and down below, even lower, is where we keep the MRE and everything else at. Well. I kind of walk in there and Corey's like, yeah, man, I've seen deer in the field. I've seen deer, you know, walk the hillside. I've seen them walk the horizon over there on the other side of the field. And I'm like, man, I ain't seen a lick of nothing. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? All well,
2: right. this I really hate, <laughs> hate getting out of that stand on a clear night. And you look up on that horizon with the stars and he, there's the deer.
1: <laughs> Son <of a> pig. <laughs> and it's it's usually we're turning to a field for for cows now so it's going to be a little bit more nutritional beneficial uh for for wildlife in general right now it's just a crp field just overgrown i mean we're talking about like the locust trees with thorns and you know all that crap just overgrown crap well this deer decided he was going to bed in there and he came in and i there was a squirrel there all day that i've been watching and I'm like, okay, cool. That crack, you know, the, the, the damn branch that just cracked was the squirrel. And I kind of looked over at the corner of my eye and I saw something that wasn't a squirrel and I just froze because I couldn't do a lick of shit. I couldn't move. I couldn't fart. I couldn't do nothing. That damn deer. And I kid you not, literally walked probably four feet from the base of my tree, damn near eye level with me. Cause that's how steep that, that slope was. And he walked to my right. And that's when I grabbed the camera. I shifted over to him. He was at about 18 yards. And I grabbed my bow. By the time I got my bow and went to go pull back, he started walking back down the hill. This hill isn't really a hill that you can just call me walk down. You're basically sliding, not trying to eat shit. It's what you're doing. And this deer walks down, crosses the creek. And if he went left, he was going to go to the deer that I had in front of me. He turns right. He's... Homer bound. He's going to live to see another day, basically. And that sucker turned left. And it was like an hour and a half before sunset or, or you know, shooting hours, one of the two. And I'm like, I have plenty of time now. And I was able to to harvest that, that animal. And he was 143 inches and my first full velvet deer. And I'm like, damn, Corey was right. They do go in that field. They do I- come from that side. <laughs>
0: I do that a lot. Why does it always surprise Honestly, (laughs) honestly, and this, (laughs) this is one thing that, that I've learned and it is a product of the property that we lease, but I learned it a little bit earlier than a lot of guys will learn it in their hunting career. But because of our lease, we've had for like 10 years, we have overgrown cedar. We don't have hollies around here that much, but we do have a lot of cedars. And when cedars take over, it's like, fuck, like they're everywhere. And they took over this, this field full of, crab apple and cedar and then the grass got like four feet three to four feet tall and now i have a tree stand that sits right on the edge of that because the wind normally blows from that area when it's a north wind straight past me and we'll sit in that stand and in the rut the bucks run right past the stand like it because they're smelling that area Mm -hmm. and it's it's like once i learned how to use CRP in like overgrown areas. Yeah. Now, when I show up to someone's property and they're like, sometimes I'll do either consulting or like I'll help people out and they'll, they'll be like, Yeah, we got one double stand there. We got a buddy stand and we got a, a hang on over there that my brother likes to hunt, and blah, blah. And I'll be looking and be like, but the deer are there. Like they're better than that shit. But you don't think about it because it's just shit. But But when you really walk through there and find the trails and you're like, like I just actually found a shed a for- big old forky shed the other day in that area that's on that property. I was looking for some mushrooms, but I'm over we there and I just happened yeah. upon Mushroom. a big old, uh, it depends on what you want. We got it all. <laughs> <laughs> but, so there's this big old forky shed and I grabbed, but it was in that area. Like it was between a crab apple and a patch of cedars. And my stand from there was like 80 yards that looks into that area. And it's, it's like a thirty-acre area. It Used to be a cow pasture. Matter of fact, when I we first got the lease, cows or bulls would chase us in that field if we shot a deer and went out there. Yeah. And now it's overgrown cedars, and it is the turkeys all brood there. Like like the you'll just see the hens with their little ones all the time in that area, and all the deer bed in there. Our biggest deer always bed in there. It's like an attractant now, and I'm that like where I'm gonna put some of this MRE and like where we're going to establish one of our sites is near that tree stand. And it's just like all the, in the rut, the does are there. And then all of a sudden it's like October 28th, you can flip a switch and you'll be in that stand and see three does the 25th. And you'll be in that stand 28th and there'll be two eight pointers run through. Like, it's just, it's, I love it. Now that's one thing that a lot of people don't, it's just like the mineral thing. A lot of people don't understand deer movement. Mm-hmm. And now that I do, when people even older than me ask me, like, I'm not, all the deer seem to be over here or I'm not seeing deer here. Or, I'm, and I'm just like, I'm looking, I can look on on X or I can look what hunt stand whatever. And I can be like, mm-hmm. no, you need to be here. Yep. Like that's where the deer are. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, like, it's just, it makes more sense to me now that I've mm-hmm. gotten older and understand. I'm like, no, you're in the wrong area, dude.
1: Yeah. Oh, and, I, I have a very aggressive approach. Um, and what it was obviously not this summer, it was last summer that Matt moved into his house and we went over there and he had just moved into this house. I think he's got, was like 15 there acres or something like that. And he was like, hitting his, he because Hey man, can you come help me kind of pinpoint, you know, throw some sands up, stuff like that, uh, kind of pinpoint where these deer are going to go. And you know, a lot of people fail to realize that like, yeah, well, you can go to Onyx and you can have a general idea. And that is extremely helpful because a lot of people forget about OnX, Google Maps, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. They overlook that stuff like, like it's crazy. But then you go there and you walk the property and you're like, all right, that tree right there. That's, that right there is the kill tree. And you go and hang a stand in there. And you're, you, can be a, you, you can be so confident in that tree. And then you realize throughout the season, be like, okay, in September and October, this stand is great, but it needs to be 10 yards that way. Don't be afraid to move that stand, you know? And, and it's, it's kind of like one of those things, like people get afraid to move stands during the season. Don't be, if, if, if you're seeing the deer and they're out of range, move the damn stand. Don't be afraid to. Now I get it. If you're making like a whole lot of rockets, you're got to cut trees down and all this, you know, you don't want to make a large presence felt inside those woods.
0: Right. Espe- especially like if it's mid-October. Right. Because the deer that you have on camera will be like, dude, fuck you. I know you're yeah, here. Going, exactly. Yeah. And that's, what- that's so I saddle hunt, like my buddy Dylan who helps me out mountain and marsh, he saddle hunts. But actually I got a saddle, started saddle hunting. I still do it. But now I'll be like, I'll hunt my permanent stands, realize where I need to be, where the does are bedding or whatever in the rut change a saddle set. I'll do a saddle set and then realize, nah, for this wind, I want to be over there. And if there's no trees, I'll just be tucked into a fence row or something. Yeah. And I just started hunting off the ground now a lot, mm-hmm. which that's, I think it's really hard. Well, it is, it is very hard for people to change what they know. It's just like if you're changing careers or you're, ch- it's very scary. Cause you're like, I don't know. So with deer hunting, it's like, I'm gonna ruin it if I try to move my stand or if I'm gonna move my location. For me, if I'm like, all right, I got a wind blowing this way, I'll go get in that hedgerow, I'll hunt this area. Like mm-hmm. I'll just sit on the ground and whatever. If I don't kill kill them, then try again next mm-hmm. time. Like yep. and a lot it of doesn't people, bother
1: me anymore. And a lot of people put don't pay attention to the wind. They're like, I'll hunt any wind
0: whatsoever. And my dad. My dad'll be in a stand and it'll be blowing directly into the bedding and it'll be like Yeah, but I saw a four-point come from the right today. It came from down there. I'm like, yeah, but you could have saw 30. And then you got your access,
1: too. If you're walking right where those deer are coming in at, I've literally watched deer walk to my trail and stop and be like, Oh,
0: yeah, one 100%. Like Something was kind. wrong.
1: Yep. And you do everything you can to be as scent-free as possible. Even if but. I
0: run a drag rope in the rut and I'm like, I want to get to that spot. I run a drag rope and then I'll turn around and see a buck come across the field and be like, here he comes. Get to my drag rope. He's a cup. And he's like, no, nah, fuck this. Turn around and <laughs> runs away. I'm like, exactly. shit, that smelled like dope pussy and you did not come over <laughs> here, dude. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, a matter of fact, to to the point of this, this topic was I have a stand that we hung in my house and I was like, okay, I have two uh, heavy used trails that go around my house and they intersect. And I was like, cool, kind of went down there, looked around at trees, me and Corey said that tree, we hung that stand. Even without being in that tree, I have a trail camera. I have two trail cameras over there around that tree. And one of them is over top of a feeder that has MRE. And the other one is just on a mock scrape and a trail. I literally have a video of deer kind of walking up to it or even running at that during the rut through that little funnel and stopping and looking up at that stand with nobody in it and turn around and walk walking off. So cover is a major thing when you hang a stand. But right, yeah. like being like a saddle hunter, I don't saddle hunt but i looked into it and I really want to try it. I haven't done it yet. But that just goes to the thing. Like I know that I have to move that stand because if nobody's in that stand and those deer are already reacting to it, I have to move it. I'm not going to kill that deer that I want. We we
0: have a couple over at our lease that like my grandfather will hunt. Mm -hmm. It's a buddy stand that sits on a pretty big oak tree. So the majority of the outside of that stand is covered but my grandfather will sit there. It, he's got a crossbow. So if it's bow season, he's hunting. If it's muzzleloader season, he's hunting. It's the same stand on the same oak flat. He did kill a really big, ugly crab claw this year, but like a four, three or four-year-old deer. But anyway, so this area, the de- some of the mature does will come in. They'll be like, and just look right at it first. Yeah. They don't even eat. They're just like, and if I'm in it, I'm like, <sighs> Don't move, don't yep. move. And they every time they blow at me and take off. And I'm like, I'm not hunting. So I started using my saddle in the same area and just transitioning like five trees over. They'd look at the stand and I'd be, I'd be in the saddle like, they don't know I'm here. But they're looking yep. at the tree stand to make sure nobody's in that fucking tree stand. Yep. Yeah. We had
1: one doe, me and my neighbor. As soon as she crossed the creek, she just start blowing. Because he hunts over there, he has stands over there on his piece, and I have stands on my piece. And they're just, you can hear her blow like every so often. And I'm like, dude, that doe specifically, she has to go. <laughs> right. That is it. Whatever we have to do. Cause every deer is on pins.
0: Even the mature bucks are like, like they're, they're on, everybody's on pins and needles because of that bitch. Mm-hmm.
1: He was lucky enough to kill her this year. Oh, sorry, last year. But after that, it's like, now the deer kind of do what they want through there. Right, right, but they, those old people, I feel like people overlook those nanny does because they can be the biggest
0: pains in the ass. We have a couple on our lease that we we've been letting go the last couple of years because they were very good producers of fawns. They're big. We have a coyote presence, so those big does will kind of bump around those coyotes like they don't take any shit, and. So those nannies, we, I think I shot one, two years ago, but we really kind of let those older does go. But that's exactly what happened to me this year was I was in a couple of situations where the same group of does that bedded 200 yards from this one stand we have would come down through and all the deer would be funneling. And then those nanny does be like, yeah, we know you were over there. And they just would turn the group. Yeah. They'd move the whole group. Did do you guys have a uh, bounty on coyotes a few years back? So I can't tell you for sure because I'd never looked into it. Virginia, where I hunt, used to have a $50 a head bounty, but they don't anymore. But here, um, we didn't actually have coyotes very heavy until about four or five years ago. And then it was it was like a light switch. All my buddies were seeing coyotes and I and we were seeing coyotes. My dad killed two. Last year, I killed one. Um, but we, we definitely have them around pretty heavy. I have them here, like at my house. I didn't
2: look, look into it, but I'd heard from a few people. I think I was at Harrisburg and they said it was like $25 a head, but I don't know if that was a specific County, but it was supposed to be Pennsylvania somewhere.
0: Oh yeah. So like up in like Bucks County and Elk County where the elk are and shit, they do have, uh, that's all really mountainous. And the the coyote populations have been there forever, so they're really dense. So what, like down in Virginia, I hunt in really steep terrain. And what they did was they would just the locals would strictly coyote hunt, even at nighttime on the roads and everything, because they're so poor. And they would like just shoot as many coyotes as they could then. But then when the bounty dropped, the pie the population jumped back up because the guys stopped hunting them so hard. But it was like fifty dollars a head down there. I don't know about Pennsylvania. Uh, but we have them here. Like, there's a quarry right behind my house here, and uh, we we have them. They come out of the quarry sometimes.
2: Yeah, we know a couple guys that love hunting them. Mm.
0: Yeah, I have a buddy who stopped waterfowl and deer hunting, and he has like a five thousand dollars setup, and that's all he does is coyote hunting, and he does it all the time. Like, it's all he does.
1: <laughs> Some of the guys that we know, they're like, uh, <laughs> they're like, well, how much? How much you got in your gun? I'm like, well, I got like two. Like two grand or whatever in there, It, like, oh, it ain't. It ain't. It ain't up to. It ain't up to par. I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh yeah, you don't know, got the thermal ten thousand dollars setup. You can't humble us. Oh my like, god. Damn, dude! Now, what oh. do you do for a living?
0: I, I shot the right. one I shot last year with a seven mag Winchester with a Tasco scope on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Good at, old Tasco. At, at nine a.m. in the morning, <laughs> I was hunting hunting over a deer spot, and she came running in. But yeah, no, we don't we don't like go out of our way. But I have buddies who, like my one buddy's a uh, Baltimore City fireman, so he only works five twenty fours a month or six twenty fours a month. And so what he does is the rest of the year it'll be. 2 a.m. and on a Tuesday, and he'll just be out at a farm somewhere shooting coyotes is what he does. It's a, it's a huge thing now, but when I was growing up, there weren't coyotes around here. Right. Um, and what was really odd, and I just learned about this recently through studies with, uh, like National Wild Turkey Federation and shit. So our turkey population got a lot heavier when we realized when the coyotes started showing up but we didn't, we thought it was just coincidental Uh that like the coyotes showed up. Well, what actually happened, and I found this out through these studies, is that the coyotes came around, they started eating a lot more skunks, raccoons, foxes, and keeping them away from the turkey population. They were scared of the coyotes. And then what happened was, yeah, the turkey population's I don't know if this is exact, so it'll take us as science, but we saw it like this. We saw more coyotes and all of a sudden our turkey populations rose. And now we have a bunch of turkeys running around and we have coyotes. And we're like, that's weird. And now that I know the science, I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, that kind of makes sense. I get it. (laughs) But
1: I did. We got coyotes that showed up like, so weird, uh, shockingly enough, the farms around us have a harder heavier coyote population than our farm. Now we still have a couple onesies and twosies, like nothing but nothing like crazy. Nothing like we'll see like every night. But I'm like, yo, get rid of these damn things. One, we have calves running around. There's there's like one, two, three, there's three cattle farms side by side, you know, conjoining farms. Right. And so everybody's got their own cow herd and stuff like that. So when the fawns or when the uh, calves drop and even the fawns, like that's my concern is the fawns and the calves. But so I want the coyotes gone. Now I love turkey hunting. You know, that stuff is like,
0: well, like, no, that's I, like, that's I, like, that's, that's like crap. Like, like I said, I don't know. Turkey hunting is my favorite thing to do. I, and I don't, I don't know if there actually is this correlation or if the coyote population got big enough at the same time I don't know, but I do know that that was a legit study that just came out this winter, like January. And uh, it was like a 10-year study they did. An area with mountain lions and coyotes and an area without. And the area with mountain lions and coyotes every year sustainably held more turkeys. Which is interesting because I'm,
1: I'm willing to argue that the further south you go, I've hunted as far down as Georgia and uh, for for turkeys. And Georgia and South Carolina, turkey hunting down there is like awesome. If you're on That's the right, I've heard, yeah. if you're on the right piece of property, I mean, I only hunted public except for Georgia, Georgia, I had a lease down there and that was phenomenal. I don't think I, I only went like probably once or twice and did not see a bird, but I was trying to get other Marines to kill birds down there as well. Um, so <laughs> sadly I didn't, nothing was killed on that lease that year, but, um, come like South Carolina, I was on public land and I was on private land and the turkey hunt down there in South Carolina was, was amazing. It was phenomenal. So, but then you get up to like Virginia and I'm not saying Virginia and Maryland don't have really good turkey hunt. I'm just saying my better experiences that I've had, and I've had phenomenal experiences here in Maryland, especially on my, on the private farms that I hunt. South Carolina, man, it was something about that. It was just the terrain and stuff like that.
0: I don't, I don't know because I've, I've turkey, I killed my first turkey at like 11. Um, and so for me, I've always been around turkeys, but when my dad, the area I killed my first turkey, my dad and uncle had released turkeys years prior in that area. And, um, everybody was like, oh yeah, uh, those are the, probably the, from the turkey flock to you, but I don't know, I have no clue, but, and then we started turkey hunting and we do, we have realized a growth in Turkey population in this area. But when we go hunt the mountains of Virginia, there's way more. Like there's a stupid amount of turkeys down there. So it's, it's just, I think it's just undisturbed land really. Like if you're in areas that are, aren't as heavily developed or whatever the case, like on the Eastern shore of Maryland, there's all those farm tracks that aren't touched. And if you get on one of them, you can hunt a 30 flock, bir- you know, a, mm-hmm. a 30 bird flock. Whereas up here, if like on our lease in Carroll County, if we draw in six, it's like, damn, that's better than the one that we drew in last year. Or if you, you know, so it, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's area. Cause I hunt in the mountains a lot and we, we tend to see a lot more birds I mean, in the mountain.
1: And and like in Habitat too, you know, right, and yeah. the Habitat has like a lot to do with it as well.
0: If you develop, you you kill all the turkeys. Oh yeah, they 100%. Ki- because the foxes and coyotes and raccoons. Mm. If you put if you put stream if you take a farm and you make it all houses and you just have stream bottoms, even if there's turkeys that survive for a year or two, all of the hens' nests will be raided because there's nowhere for them to set up and and procreate. Yeah. So they the the foxes and the shit they just find the nests. It's no problem. They bumper off. They eat mm. the eggs. So there's like a zero percent success rate right. in developed areas. That's why Maryland struggles is because Maryland, Baltimore and DC, Maryland years ago decided we're going to fucking develop everything. Oh yeah. And, right. and now everything's developed. <laughs> and
1: that's a problem that we're battling down there at us. There's
0: with that three thousand homes, I think it is going in that one spot. Oh my god, it's 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 too something much. retarded, man. It's, it sounds but, really weird, but Baltimore and Anne Arundel County are so developed that the only thing left, other than little minuscule spots, the only thing left, I found this out through my boss who goes to meetings with like the construction companies in Maryland. Anne Arundel and Baltimore County are so stripped of anything that can be built that um, they're actually running out of work. In Baltimore and Anne Arundel County because there's nothing else to develop. Gosh. It's either protected marshlands or it's park. It's like protected Maryland State or County Parks. Um, or there's a couple straggler farms that are like, I'm not selling out. Oh, PG County is the same way. PG County is getting eaten up. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's like <laughs> there that's why the turkey populations don't survive on this side of the bay because uh, until you get to the mountains, mm-hmm. because they're just developing everything and turkeys can't survive.
2: Yeah, what was it, like 10 years ago? We we did a 13-hour sit one time because he was home on leave from the
1: Marine Corps. There was a there was a reason for that sit, though. It, and it was it was 15 hours, by the way. Whatever it was, it was miserable. There was a damn reason uh, for that. For that but, deer that you killed? Yeah, that's what we said.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bastard. Right. <laughs> but regardless, we, we had to get out of the stand because we both had to go do some things real quick. And we walked out to a field, and there was... 40 turkey out in this field. Mm. And I don't think we've seen any kind of activity like that since.
1: Right, yeah. Like
2: everything's dwindled down to, there's six here. There's seven.
1: They, uh, we got we got some large flocks on the farm. Like a lot. But um, it's... They're so... It's a different style of hunting. You know, it, you go every... When I, when it, when it comes to hunting in general, you have to, you can't just walk over there and set up in a tree and expect to be successful every time you go. Right. So like turkey hunt is, it's different. They don't like crossing creeks. They don't like jumping cliffs. They don't like, you know, there's certain things that turkeys like to do and don't like to do. Deer will do the same thing. Right. So yeah. you got to like understand the terrain as well. So if you're like set up in the wrong spot terrain wise. I mean, your chances are going to dwindle, yeah. You know, so it's all about understanding the terrain and seeing how things lay out, seeing how the trees are falling, you know, thickets, stuff like that. So, But, I mean, last year I set up, I don't know, it was probably 40 yards, 50 yards from a trio of gobblers, and they flew down. I saw them fly up the night before, and I'm like, Oh, yeah, I'm going to go in this morning, make a quick hunt. I'm going to be back home by 7 o'clock. Next thing I know, they flew down, and they the game of the spring began. They walked back and forth on the hillside, and they walked probably an eighth mile away. And then they turned around and walked all the way back because I refused to move. I wasn't chasing them. I just sat back, and that was my experience just talking. I ended up shooting my biggest brother that I've, that I've killed in my life to this point. So, but it's just name of spring and the, the game of spring. And well, ter- turkeys are right. a
0: different beast. Like when I, oh yeah. the reason I love turkey hunting so much is because the turkey might, he doesn't outsmart me. His brain is the size of a fucking walnut. He doesn't outsmart me, but he might just turn around and start walking in another direction while he strutted it for an hour mm-hmm. and just turn around and start walking the other direction. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what did I do wrong? But actually I didn't really do wrong. He was just like, nah. I want to be over there. And then he goes in the neighbor's property and then I don't have a shot at him. So it's like a, it's like a weird game in the mountain. That's why I hunt the mountain a lot because large tracts of land. If I think I can cut a ravine and cut him off, I can try it. So that's why I like the mountain so much is in comparison to like hunting private land for us, for turkeys is off very often. They drop right around the property line and then it's, they turn and go out in the neighbor's winter wheat field and it's like, ah, uh, boom, <laughs> they shoot right. them. Like, it's like, fuck, yeah. but it's the same thing over and over. Yeah. I mean, me and Matt, we hunted,
1: uh, I, he was asking me to take him, So I took him, and we had hens literally five, 10 yards from us and our decoys walking right beside us, stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, with this many hens, there has to be a gobbler somewhere. Like there has to be. And we're looking and looking and looking and looking and looking. And we're like, where is this dude at? And he come to find out, he was about 60 yards away and he's walking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He knew where his hens were, but he wasn't coming to us. Right for whatever yeah. reason. It was Nervous. And I'm like, We we know you're here.
0: <laughs> right. We yeah. have your ladies. And wedding. you know we're you know yeah. we're here, motherfucker. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you know something
1: is not right. You don't know what, but you know something is not right. Right.
0: Yeah. So
1: but it's it's also it's 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 fun too, because you go turkey hunting. And then next thing you know you look up and you hear this noise. And here comes deer walking. And they walk straight through your decoy setup. And you're yeah. like, How come it can't be this easy during deer season?
0: Oh you yeah. Know? You're, you're for five sure. yards away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we hop off here, um, where do you see like in the next five years, where do you see you guys? Like where where not where do you see where do, where is your goal? Where do you want to see you guys next say five years from now?
2: Gary Underwood. That's
1: that's what I was one.
0: thinking.
1: <laughs> uh realistically Miranda Lambert, probably. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Realistically? I mean, I want to have a mansion, probably about, you know, that overshadows uh uh who's that who's that boxer that's undefeated that everybody hates. M- Mayweather. Mayweather. That one. Now, Uh so as far as RTO within like five years. I just want to see us, you know, doing good in the community, you know, helping people understand the nutrition value of what specific products can bring to the table. Um, And I think that's where the industry lacks, honestly, because a lot of people, like I said before, you can have a okay product that can, with flashy marketing and a good marketing budget, and it can be absolutely successful. That's because people just turn around and buy it, or you can have a phenomenal product with crap marketing and it can fail, so we're trying to hit because our marketing budget is not a million dollars. Like that's just right. Yeah, that's yeah. just not realistic. But being able to, provide- unless Floyd
0: Mayweather like gives you a million dollars, that'd be for nice. the if, company. And
1: if, and if Floyd is listening to this, I mean, hey man, call me up. <laughs> yeah, we don't hate you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, just being able to provide the community and the consumers with affordable products that are more beneficial than just straight salt right yeah. you know and and bringing more knowledge doing podcasts and stuff like that is i think is something that's really come across it gives the opportunity to provide more education to various listeners on different categories i mean everybody has their own different approach not everybody has science because a lot of i learn hunting is through trial and error right so what might work for me might not work for you but that's you know the kind of way things go,
0: right? But but minerals still have mineral and supplements still have their right spot, no matter what you're approaching, right?
1: Because the deer is not going to change on what he needs. So the protein levels, the calcium, the phosphorus, right, right. the fawns, the does. Like a lot of people look at bucks. They only think of bucks. They think about big racks and everything else, but they leave out the dose. They fail to understand that. The health
0: of the herd, not the health. Exactly. Of- right. The healthier your herd,
1: the bigger your deer, right? So in the health of your fawn, your buck fawns, is the larger that deer is going to be and his the higher his potential could be. His genetics and stuff might limit him to a point, but that's where your management comes into play, right? So in five years, I mean, we're not looking to make a million dollars. We're not looking to take over Wild Game Innovations or the whole industry, be at the ATA show and running this whole big giant booth. You know, it'd be phenomenal if it happens that way. But honestly, we're looking to take care of the consumers, the blue collar workers, Down and home stuff and like beer. that. Exactly. You know? All right. Well, tell everybody where they can find you and uh, where they can get a hold of your product. You can literally uh, go to our website, www.redtrailoutdoors.com. You can look us up on Facebook, Instagram, and those are our three main places we're going to see. Our goal is to also be at uh, at uh, the Harrisburg Show in 2024. Hopefully, we got a booth there. So, hopefully, you'll see us there as well. All right. Well,
0: it's good talking to you guys. Awesome. All I right, appreciate man. you having us.
1: Yep. Right, see you.